0: Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond yeah, hello. and Larry Correa.
1: I didn't think of a quote.
0: Today's episode, outlining.
1: <laughs> Welcome everybody back to the Writer Dojo. Glad to have you back with us today. In my defense, this was the second episode we were filming and we were having a nice conversation. We were. And then we jumped right into this one. We did. I set Larry up. It's entrapment. Um, okay. So,
2: uh. Uh, a few episodes ago, uh, during a Q and A, someone someone brought up a question asking about how we outline. Okay, so um, so I figured this would be a really good topic for us to to handle or uh, to to kind of you know springboard off of and talk about different ways to outline. Um, not we've done the episodes before and you guys have heard them um, outlining versus discovery writing, um, and, and you can go back and listen to those. But for this primarily, I just want to talk about outlining the some of the processes that we've used, some of the processes we've seen other people use, and how it has benefited us in our writing. Kind of a methodology. Yeah, more of a methodology,
1: nuts and boltsy. Yeah, okay? yeah. So we've talked about the philosophies of outlining Correct. versus uh, discovery writing. Yeah, As the, you guys know, yeah. Steve's a discovery guy primarily. primarily. I'm an outliner primarily. Mm-hmm. But we both we both swing both ways at times. <laughs> hey All right. Now on, on the, on the outlining thing, like I said, I'm an outline guy, but people tend to think when I say I'm an outliner that I have like this really rigid outline. Mm -hmm. Like I have bullet points for every single thing that happens in the book. And there are people that do that. Now some people do that. There are, there are authors I know who literally the entire book would be plotted out to the point where if they were to get hit by a bus, Somebody else could come in and cleanly finish off that manuscript based entirely upon their outline and get every single scene and point.
2: Yeah, that'd be either Brandon or Kevin J. Anderson.
1: Yeah, like like one of those two probably. Literally, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> We love you both. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want you to get hit by buses. We no. like you. Um that said, my outlines for a book tend to be a lot looser. Mm-hmm. Um so for example, my outline for Let's say one of my uh, I'm working on Graveyard of Demons right now. Right, such a good title. See, it's interesting too because the way the way I outline in particular, I'm so jealous of that title, dude. (laughs) It's a good title. Well, because I had the Graveyard of Demons was a place in book two, um, but now it's this is bigger than that. (laughs) Never mind. Okay, so what I do is on the actual manuscript. Sometimes I'll have a separate document. And I'll flip back between the two. In this case, what I did is I just had the original manuscript page that I am writing on. I just use Microsoft Word. People ask yeah. us all the time, like, hey, what do you think of this program or this program? I was like, I don't know. I've been using Microsoft Word for the last 20 years. well, So it's what I use. Yeah. Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel. Yeah. The, well, I'm, I've I'm, used
2: both of those for a long time. Steve and I
1: are both like masters of Excel. Okay. I, yeah. I used to be. He probably still is. I'm, I'm, I'm rusty. I've gotten better lately. Yeah. I'm rusty. But... What I do is I take the actual manuscript and I will have basically divided up into sections. And then I will go point by point by point by point. was a plot point that must happen. Plot point that must happen. Plot plot point that must happen. The big
2: things that you need to make sure you're getting from your beginning to your end.
1: And I will basically set them down in what I think is going to be the order. But that's not rigid, right? But it's not rigid. as Steve learned with editing with me, I don't number my chapters as I write Oh, I know it was infuriating. Yes, I, and there's a reason why. In Cordova, <laughs> Jason Cordova learned this about me too. Yeah. I never number my chapters as I write them because in the editing process, I inevitably move chapters around. Which is exactly what happened to us. Yeah, because I'll say, hmm, we're head-hopping. between. We're well, not, head-hopping is a no, bad term. No, no. We're having scene breaks and going to different point-of-view characters as we go. There will be times where I'll say, wow, okay, I wrote this scene with this dude and I put it here. But if I move that scene up, Up a few spaces, I I have now established a different tone, tension, whatever it may be. And I can't tell that from the outlining stage. Right. Because I haven't written the scene yet, I don't know how that scene is going to turn out. And there's sometimes where you, even if you're an outliner, you surprise yourself with the tone of the scene. Yeah. So I don't number the chapters. Okay. I go through and I'll put plot point, plot point, plot point. This character has to do this. This character has to learn this. This character has to come to this point, whatever it may be. And I'll go Big through that. Big action sequence. Uh, actually, yeah. They'll be like, <laughs> I will have, like right now, I literally have a blank chapter in Graveyard of Demons. Because I have an overall word count I'm working towards, Right but I still, i have to wrap up this whole series. There's a lot of stuff. So I have a blank chapter about in the first act that says, it's just, and I always, you guys know, I, I told you on the show before, I put XXX, XXX. for yeah. something like control F and go back and find all the X. Yeah. That's XX is something where I just need to fill in a little thing, like a name. I got to name this river. I got to name this town, whatever. Yeah. Uh, What year was this? Got to look it up. That kind of thing. XXX is, it needs something, like it needs a scene, right? Mm-hmm. I have a a blank chapter called Battle with Sarnobat and it's a Jagdice scene and I haven't written it yet because this is a scene that could either go long or it could go short. And so I've left this scene but I know what happens in the scene but I don't know how much time I'm going to have to tell that Mm -hmm. how much real estate I've got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's one of the flexible ones. Now after I've got all all the pivotal plot points written down the very bottom I've got like a little thing which each character and what their arc is yeah and that and that basically when i say arc it's like a paragraph yeah. it's like this character is going to do this 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 and this and this and they're going to discover this and they're going to do this and then they're going to die horribly at this right right as they do as they do and so i'll have like you know probably the, the like maybe six characters with that where it's pivotal these are yeah. point of view characters well and, and and i
2: know that as you and i have outlined together um, that's one of the, that last point that you're making, that's one of the things that we've talked about. It's like, okay, where's the character starting in this book? Where do we want them to end? Yep. And how do they get there? Yep. X, Y, and Z. Boom. Pretty much. And we kind of, and, and we just chuck that at the bottom of the outline.
1: Yeah. And and I've known guys who've had like 50 page outlines.
2: To be fair, our first Servants of War outline was pretty big. Yeah. On the cert- because, because, because we'd initially written it. Yeah. For someone else who required a massive outline for like
1: oh gigantic for, for, bi- for
2: like Bible coordination yeah yeah for
1: basically their Cannon their series their series Bible uh-huh. because it was part of a much larger game universe yeah where they had like you know twenty years of development and so you we talked about on the IP writing episodes how you have to like honor what's come before yeah unlike you know say Star Wars yeah or they now they are just like yeah hey, I'll do what you want well and,
2: but but this is a good point to make um. The, the methodology which which you're talking about right now if if you go to write for say a game company RPG company whatever understand they might require you to have an excessively detailed outline I yeah. mean I I've joked about it before my outline for for the for the story I wrote for them it was almost as long it was almost as, as, as long the as the short story yeah
1: it's, and so that that's 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 kind of an outlier for writing other people's IPs. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's going to affect the size of the outline, besides your personal how much you need to get down on paper, uh, is collaborations are going to have much more in-depth outlines. Yes, um, because you're two guys working together, right? You're two authors working together, uh, putting your heads together. Got to be on the same. Gotta page. Got to be on the same page. Pun intended. Uh, much more important. Now on that one, so like the Servants of War outline, we had already the big outline that we came up with for the game company. We scrapped that entire oh, yeah. world was cosmology, mythos, out, magic system. Out, we threw out everything. Adding cool more cool religion, which yeah. we talked about in the prior episode. But we already had a giant outline. So, but for example, that was the first book. Second book outline is much much more like what I just talked about. Yes. Um, I think we went from probably the first first outline was probably twenty something pages. P- I think it's twenty eight pages. Uh, current one is what like four. Yeah, it's like three or four. Yeah, which is pretty normal for one of my books. Yeah. Um, so like my, so my second collaboration with somebody, obviously, because we now work together, we know what we got and we also established the characters. Yeah. So we're building, we're building on a foundation. So mm-hmm. 28 pages for the first one, four or five for the second. Well, and, and, and to be fair in that first one, we're figuring out what the world is. We oh yeah. to, We had to create it from scratch. Well, and that's the thing too, guys, don't be so Rigid. With yeah. your outline that if you come to something you don't know and it's not in the outline, you freeze. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. The outline, guys, is just a tool to help you. Yes. Not not hinder you. If your outline is hindering you, like, oh, geez, I don't know. I didn't say. What, what What do they believe about that? What What is the culture? I mean, I don't know. Do they have squatty potties or do they have regular toilets or what is their plumbing like? It doesn't matter, guys. It just doesn't matter. In general.
2: Yeah, it doesn't matter.
1: That's probably not a big part of the plot. <laughs> no. I don't know. I'm not judging. I don't know what people are writing. I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you're writing the next uh, squatty potty epic fantasy. This I don't never know. came up in Servants of War. We just no. assumed they did it off scene, right? Right. Yeah. It's not that. That's not the scene I want to write. Well, I mean, let's be fair though. The trench warfare. It's just like you go in the hole. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, but the thing is, guys, it doesn't matter. The, the The outline is a tool to aid you. If it stands in your way, you need to change the outline. That's another thing too. One of the things I wanted to mention on the outlines is people people get slavishly devoted to the outline. Yeah. But outlining is a different creative process than actually writing. Yeah. And this is one of the points where I think a lot of us are really truly hybrid between discovery and outline.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean, I, we, we've said this a lot of times yeah. before. You know, we are we were like, okay, yeah, Larry, you're the you're the the outliner, Steve, you're the discovery writer. But in reality, um, people are rarely, I mean, rarely, rarely, rarely. On the pole opposites of those, right. of that, of that belt. Well, curve.
1: like we've talked, you because even discovery writers, you kind of outline it as you go. Yeah, well, and
2: and and as you are an outliner, you are you are kind of discovery writing your outline.
1: Right, because as, as, I mean, it's as it's an outliner, there is right? points where I just don't know. Like something happened here. Mm-hmm. Like I get to the point where this character needs to have this development. I don't know how they, I don't know how she's gonna have that. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. I've actually, and then there, that will be the point where you come up with something brilliant that all of a sudden you are like, whoa and if that's not in your outline but you're like dang that's cool yeah then you go back and you change the outline to fit that yeah going forward you know um like so i'm writing graveyard of demons right now and i had a scene where i had set up a minor thing in the last book like kind of to carry forward um when last we saw rata you know radamantha nemsdor harbin she was a guest of Great House Vidal, as Ie almost hostage, yeah. but she cut a deal with them. It's like I will help you translate this ancient stuff. They'll find this black steel treasure in exchange. You will spare the lives of your of, of your castles because she still feels great guilt for the part she paid in that genocide. So she's trying to save the lives of a bunch of people. And, I just, and so that's how I resolved that in the fourth book. But we hadn't got into her actually doing it yet. So I had what I had in mind when I did the outline was just kind of a minor thing. And it was actually kind of like a thing that was interesting and it was cool and it would carry the story forward. But then I got to that scene and I just had a thought. That instead of this, what if it's this entirely different thing that I've shown once before in this series but I introduced a second one? All of a sudden, it's like huge complications, huge complications. And once again, this is the last book of the series. I don't want to open the thing, is, I got to be yeah, careful. You got to be, yeah, you got to be pretty careful because you stage. don't want to open up new, too much new stuff in the last book of a series because the readers want resolution. Yeah. Right. But this was too awesome not to do. And it also, with what I already had planned, offered a potential way to aid the resolution of something oh, else. Oh yeah. See, that's that's good, you know. But it was more interesting than what I originally had in the outline.
2: Now I, I I'm a personal fan uh, of the belief system that um, because we, we all experience this when we're when we're writing we're writing we're writing and we're like oh I I somehow stumbled into or foreshadowed somehow this super awesome thing that I'm now doing yeah this is a great cool. idea that's a
1: great feeling Woo.
2: and and you go off and you're like dude this was awesome.
1: And John people, Brown calls those the Eureka moments. Yeah,
2: you know the Eureka moment. But here's the thing: it's not, it, it, it's not a Eureka moment. It's, it's your brain has been working overtime on this problem since you started writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in your case, you're you're in your fifth book in this massive series. Okay, you've been thinking about this for literally a decade.
1: Oh, I've spent thousands of
2: hours. So many with thousands these characters. And so it, it's, it's only natural that at a certain point, your, your, your like awake consciousness catches up with like the crazy connections your brain has been making, you know, in the back end, you know, behind the scenes. It, it, it's like when you wake up in the morning, and everyone's like, oh, I had this great idea in the shower. It's like, well, no, it wasn't. You didn't have the idea in the shower. Your brain's been working on this idea for a while. You just finally caught up to it because you woke up. Because the human brain's incredible, mm-hmm. um, and, and I've had this conversation with Rob, with Doctor Rob Hanson, Doctor Rob Hanson,
1: and um, guest of
2: the show, guest of the show. Uh, anytime I talk about him, I might have to say Doctor Rob Hanson. Um, but you know, it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, and 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 you know, you've talked about this, and, and you just said it that even as a discovery writer, quote unquote, um, my brain is. Constantly thinking about what I've already written and thinking about where I need to go. And so it kind of, I mean, look, it it's outlining it just without paper. You know, you're discovery writing with an outline. It's, it's all the same. Yeah. As long as you get to the end destination where you want to go, it doesn't right.
1: matter. It's just whatever tools you need to do to unlock it. Yeah. Basically.
2: All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I think what I want to do, Larry, um, well, we'll get there. I, I have an idea.
0: Okay. All right. We'll be right back. What is the fall? and why has a rebel faction sent a special agent to Earth to retrieve it? Harry Houdini, special steward of the royal house of Vadushae, better known to humans as magician Harry Houdini, fled his homeworld during impending global civil war. He brought a unique device, the Val, whose absence caused the uprising's failure and the collapse of the imperial regime. Vadu Shaye has been at peace for over a century. All that is about to change. It falls to the Alpha One team, Echo and Omega, to find out why, or die trying. A Small Medium at Large, Book 2 in the Division 1 series by Stephanie Osborne. Pick up your copy today.
2: Welcome back. Okay, so here's my idea, Here's what I want to do. First half, first half of the episode, we kind of talked about, um, you know, like in general what you do for an outline, and and how it helps you. Um, and how one of the biggest, I think, takeaways for people is, man, don't be, don't be too uh, attached
1: to it. It's okay if things stray, if things change. This is why you're changing it now before you write a bunch of words down.
2: Right, right, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to be. 700,000 words into my book and being
1: like, Oh crap, I got to change all of it. The more, the more brain processing that you can put onto it early before you actually put words on paper, mm-hmm. the less words on paper you're going to have to throw away right. when you realize you went up the wrong hill.
2: Okay. So for example, this is, this is fairly new information and, and I'm not going to say everything about it because it's, um, I'm waiting on the final contract, but, um, so I signed a three-book contract with the yep. publisher.
1: We haven't talked about this yet, but Steve got no. a new book deal.
2: Yep, I got a book deal. And Pretty dang good one, too. Yeah, it's sweet. Um, and I'm excited for it. Um, it, it. It's an idea that you all have, you know, you've heard me talk about. It's my Gundam meets alien idea, quote-unquote. Um, science fiction. So, it, three books, okay? Um, when I when I started outlining, when I started doing this, this book, I actually, this is one of the books I actually did outline the first half now, my outline is a series of bullet points on one page.
1: Whatever works. Whatever man. works. Yeah.
2: Um, and, uh, okay. But here's, here's my problem. Larry. I'm not an outliner. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, there are many ways in which I'm not being effective. At least I feel like I'm not being effective with my outlining. So, here's what I want to do. And no, we're not gonna we're not gonna outline the rest of this series on the no, podcast right fine, now. That's, that's silly. Um, uh, you know, we'll take a th- bit more than fifteen minutes. Yeah, we take yeah, and, and we'll do that offline um, <laughs> over Thai food or something. Um, so let's pretend you're you're a dude in my shoes. Okay, you know, um, you know that that uh, a, a publisher is about to approach you for for a new idea. Okay. Um, Just off the top of my head, let's do um, let's do science fiction, Larry. Okay. Um, far future. Okay. Far, far future. Um, Earth is a distant memory, maybe even a myth. Dune level future. Dune level future. Okay. Yeah, ten thousand years in the future, twenty thousand, whatever it was. Um and and that's that's basically what you've been asked to write. Publisher comes up to you and says, Dude, Larry, I'm gonna give you nine gajillion dollars if you write me a three book. A super epic future science fiction series. Okay. Okay. So, my, so. so
1: my process here.
2: Okay. Process. Okay. Nuts and bolts.
1: All right. So, in a situation like this, where I'm starting a new project entirely, I'm going to create two documents. Okay. Uh, in my case, word documents. One word document is going to be world guide. Second world doc uh, word document is the actual outline for book one. Okay. Now, are you working on these simultaneously? A- simultaneously. Okay. Because what I'm going to do then is I'm going to spend the next couple of days thinking. And on your back porch usually. going on walks sitting on yeah. my back porch mm-hmm. shooting guns yeah uh whatever it may be mm-hmm. to uncork my brain uh when i was young i think one of the reasons i wound up as a writer is i spent a lot of hours alone moving hay bales like yeah, i mean you got no choice but to think of other things literally thousands yeah. of hours moving hay bales yeah i was a very strong kid
2: i was a i was a cross-country runner yeah nothing else you can do
1: and um so yeah so you think so this is what we're doing right now. So I'm working this. So I got world guide. I got outline guide. And I'm going to start thinking of stuff. And we've talked about the show before, right, where ideas come from. Sometimes it might be character. Sometimes it might be world. Sometimes it might be plot. So those are basically your three things that you're looking at that you're getting ideas from. Mm-hmm. Each one I'm going to start writing down. Now, if I have plot for book one, that's going in the outline. And as the outline grows, I will start filling in the other stuff. Over in the world guide, I'm like, what is the world? What is the setting? What are the rules of the setting? What makes this interesting? What am I selling? What is what am I pitching here? What what are the cool ideas of my idea bank that I'm drawing upon for this particular universe? Mm-hmm. That's the first part. Second part of that document's characters. Who is this book about? Yep. And we've talked about plot versus character before. I I'm a character drives plot yep. kind of guy. As am I. We we we've talked about this before. Yeah. And honestly, I think I think writers a lot of times we put a we put a, a distinction on this. It's completely unnecessary. You got to have them both, yeah. So, I'm gonna start writing, okay, dude. You know what? In this book, I really have wanted to write this kind of character for mm-hmm. a while. I wanted to write, you know, I wanted to write a uh, you know, pirate captain, I wanted to write, you know, David Weber's Horatio Hornblower in Space, sure, uh, Jim Butcher, Wizard for Hire, yeah, um, you know, uh, Return of the King, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And if even like when I was originally writing uh, some of my books, I didn't have character names. Yeah, I had a character archetype. I had fantasy judge dread. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Um, it doesn't really matter at this point. Monster. I had you know Frankenstein's monster, monster werewolf boss. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm dead serious. I had and I had all the horror movie tropes. I had you know main guy, uh, sexy librarian, uh, uh, jock friend. Nerd friend, uh, ex stripper, uh, morally ambivalent hot chick. Yep. I went through and I just took horror movie archetypes. Yeah. Okay, so this is that point where I'm building my world guide, characters' world. Mm-hmm. So for World for Monster Hunter, would have been like, um, world is our world, but horror movie tropes are all real, only we're not writing about the victims, we're writing about the survivors. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, so if I'm doing this deep epic well, fantasy, as soon as
2: you say that, yeah. As soon as you say that, it your, starts to your, build your thing is, okay, well, okay, well, what what type okay, I have my horror movie character tropes then. So how who would be the survivors and how do I start pegging them?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm writing this deep future thing, I'll say, What kind of story am I telling? Sure. Am I telling a you know, am I telling like a really broad you know isaac asimov kind of foundation sort of thing am i telling like a dune big world epic you know or am i telling the story of a bunch of ragtag adventurers you know trying to get the gizmo to save their village you know totally different totally different yeah, thing. dune versus serenity exactly or dune versus firefly excuse me both wonderful things yeah wildly different so at that point when i'm building my world i'm deciding what flavor is this world so Mm -hmm. even before i get down to like the planet x has this much humidity in there, who cares all right doesn't this stage i don't give a crap about that yeah so so over those next couple days usually this process will take me two three days Mm -hmm. is what i usually do give or take maybe a little bit more if it's a new season of call of duty (laughs) you know (laughs) full disclosure (laughs) Speaking of this, it's season six just dropped the day before we're recording this. I'm a little antsy. Dude, I can't say anything. I mean, I just got armored core. What am I supposed oh, I just, to do? My daughter just got armored core. Yeah. yeah. So so the key here is, guys, this is the stage where you get this stuff down. Now, once I start having those plot points, I say, well, this is the story I want to tell. I go back over to the outline, and I start We talk about the first part of the episode. Um, I, I'll just make a little paragraph. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. Sometimes I'll have a visual in my head. I'll say that, ooh, I have a visual of the spaceship rising up over the such-and-such obelisk or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, Werewolf boss gets pushed out the window with a desk. That was an idea I had for a lot of years. Yeah. And I'll put that there, and I was like, this is where I get that image. This is where I get that cool shot. Yeah, I mean, the werewolf part was probably not in the initial
2: part of that scene, but, you know.
1: Well, it was... (laughs) I, I had, I've had some annoying bosses. But that's why I was able to channel that rage so well, but go through that guys. And so you're building the two documents simultaneously. And what you'll discover is you build one, it'll build the other automatically. As you world build, you'll be like, Oh wow. Okay. I've introduced this really cool thing. This world magic has a fuel source, i.e. demon bone, well that means there's going to be demon bone smugglers because the government regulates who can have how much magic yeah, right boom awesome now i now got another character arc i got another where another character comes from if i'm gonna have a demon bone smuggling operation then clearly somebody needs to smuggle demon bone and that's a really interesting sounding character okay there you go so this two things go hand in hand you start filling in those bullet points whatever it is and pretty soon it's like oh wow I've got a very loose skeleton of a plot I've got a sm- I've got a world that this takes place in I've got characters that are doing this adventure and I've got a loose idea of where they're starting where they're going how they're gonna get there and where they're going to end up
2: so okay so
1: uh,
2: as we go there I, I think and, and maybe this is a personal thing it's in general it's very easy very very easy for me to um, especially when I'm when I'm constructing these... Uh, very simplistic outlines that I do. I, I almost always know where I want to start that for me, that's really easy. A lot of time. And, and a lot of that's because I, I come up with a, with a cool character. It's like, oh, okay, that's a cool character. Uh, I have a cool character idea for them and who they are. Um, which means that I need to put them in peril this way, right here. Right. And, and, and that's where I typically start. So, so to, to but my show problem, off
1: this cool element yeah, of that yeah, character. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: He has to get in this situation. Mm-hmm.
2: So for 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 the first, like, for example, my, my science fiction story, um, the opening scene is he's a child slave on a planet with totally not Weyland-Yutani, and they get invaded by another corporation and giant mechs and explosions and massive death all the way around. Mm-hmm. Boom. Right at the start. Okay? That shows off your world. It shows off the situation, the characters, and what they care about, what they don't care about, yada, yada, yada. Okay? Here's the trouble, though and I, and I think a lot of people, myself included, um, especially if you're a discovery writer, who's trying to learn the, the art of, of outlining is in, in, in maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it. It's how do I decide or how do I determine where they need to go? Hmm. Like where, like what, how Like it, it can become difficult to look out and say, okay, you know, 300 pages down the road, I need this ending. Mm-hmm. So for you, so how, how do you get, how do you do that sort of a
1: thing? Sometimes you don't know the answer. Sometimes you know approximately where you need to get to, but you don't know exactly where the destination is. And That's fine. Um, you don't have to fill in every bullet point on the outline. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can have a question mark and be like, well, I know something happens here. It probably needs to be an action sequence for the tension. Yeah. And uh, that's fine. Leave that for now. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly okay. You don't need to have the entire outline filled out before you start. Because honestly, the way our brains process stuff, and we've talked about this on the show a lot. The more you think about it, the more stuff's going to unfold. And the more connections are going to be made. It's all about these connections, logical story connections. Um, you've, you've got a world guide. You've got a world as long as you stick to the internal logical consistency of that world, it's going to start to suggest solutions to you. Mm-hmm. I've got this problem. These are the rules of my universe that I've established. I'll, hey, wait a minute. If we do this and this, according to this, we can do this. So you don't have to know everything. So you might have a big question mark at the end. Sometimes, it's like uh, my outline for uh, Spellbound, remember I had an entirely different ending. Oh, right, yeah. Remember the oh, book? Oh, gosh. Yeah, see, that's a, that's a great example. I forgot about this. So I had an outline, and so in Spellbound, I had what I thought was a pretty big, satisfying conclusion, and it was. If it was a normal person's book, that fight on uh, Roosevelt Island would have been a satisfying ending. Yeah. Right? Kaiju are better. Except, I'm Larry Korea, and the first book ended with a teleporting magic ninja fight on a flaming pirate dirigible. Right. So I wrote this scene, and we had a big fight scene, big gunfight. There was little robots on it, and people were blowing up. And there was basically a black hole sucked this whole island base into the Potomac and disappeared into another universe. (laughs) That's a pretty good ending for most people, right? No, insufficient. Because the first book had a much bigger ending. So I was like, no, i got to top that. Yeah. So what I did is I actually went back and tacked on another probably 15,000 words of action sequence onto the very end of the book. Yeah where I took one of those characters that I was would have just killed and instead I twisted and made something really really crazy. And then we had a giant kaiju fight. Plus is nineteen thirty three is when the book takes place, which is the year King Kong came out. So it made perfect logical sense for me to have a giant kaiju battle across Washington, D.C. that culminated with a giant demon monster crawling up the side of the Washington Monument. Well,
2: I mean, plus then we got to see the true hero of the series, which is Steve Diamond,
1: the telekinetic. <laughs> Steve Diamond, the telekinetic, who originally was just going to die in that scene. He can't, can't keep me down. He can't keep me down. Only only magic ninjas can Ninjas got me. him in book three. Um, But, oh, spoiler. <laughs> but to be fair, that was one of those where I had an outline, but... I kind of, I, I thought I knew what I was doing, but it wasn't until I got to the end that I realized that, no, this is insufficient. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly fine. So the outline, you, you're not slavishly devoted to it. It's just a skeleton. It is an outline, it is a tool that can be changed. It's like house plans. When we were building my house, I, I built a, I built a house up in the mountains. I want to build my wife's dream home and we hired an architect and my my wife went through. She approved the plans, right? She's like, this is my dream house. Okay, cool. So we start building it. We're, you know, going along and they're framing it. And they got to the point where they're doing the ceiling in the living room in the kitchen. And my wife looks at it and looks at the house design and she hates it. Oh. It makes her cry. She hates it. She's so awful. It's just stupid. And she's kicking herself because she approved the plans. And she hates it. And I looked at it and I said, okay, I think they could probably change this. And so I got the the builder and I said, like, hey, you know, this is, I know this is on the plans, but we're looking at it now and it's not what, what we imagined is it possible to change it? And they did. And it cost some money uh,
2: because, yeah, you know, does.
1: obviously we're cutting wood at this point. It's very expensive. Yeah. But here's the kicker. The book, it doesn't cost anything. The outline yeah. doesn't, I don't have to throw a bunch of lumber away. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to pay guys a bunch of hours to do this. That's what you outline for. Right? I can change the outline and say, okay, nah, you know what? I'm looking at this now. I'm, I'm deeper into it. I'm closer to it. I can see it taking shape and that shape is not what I imagined. The shape is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Change it. Yep. That's the beautiful part of word processors, man. <laughs> Just boom, changed, done. And so I think that's really what we do outline for. Outlining is, like I said, it's the, it's the house plans, but what you get, actually get into, you're actually seeing it. It's not the same as what you had in your imagination.
2: Okay. So let me ask you this question then. As, as you're going through and um, because we, again, this is another topic that we've discussed on the show before. The idea that, yeah, you want your first book to be standalone-ish, but with series potential. What are you doing? Again, you know, fictitious publisher. I, I need a, a, a three-book science fiction, whatever, Dune series from you. Um, like, how early in your process are you thinking, okay, what can I do that's big term and and like long overarching plot points and stuff and
1: i've done this several times yeah you've seen this Uh um i I do this in most of my series i'll leave hooks and Mm -hmm. what i do is basically on those are world guide hooks so the world guide will have actually what's going on i'll say so i might introduce a character or a concept or a principle but i don't have time to explore it yeah so I'll, i'll put in the world guide what it actually is what this technology actually is, who this person actually is, whatever it may be, that is there. I've left that clue for myself. And that is a hook. And so in my actual outline, I'll be like, so-and-so is is revealed to be weird or so-and-so does a thing and there's no explanation for it. That's great. Those are hooks. And you, these are the kind of things you could finish the book and you don't have to necessarily resolve them, but people are still like, wow, I wonder what, who is that guy?
2: Yeah. I, I knew your father back in the Clone Wars. Yeah.
1: Yeah which I think they just made that up as they went let's be honest. <laughs> sure. 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 <laughs> but yeah, it's a perfect example. It's a, it's it's a it's a hook that was left. You don't have to explain everything at the time. Put that clue in your world guide as to what you think it is. And here's the kicker, you're not committed.
2: Yeah, no one's seen your world no you're not one's, publishing your world guide.
1: Nobody has seen your world guide. It yeah. doesn't matter. So you might say you might not even know. I mean, like I guess like so like Agent Franks. I knew from the beginning who Agent Franks was, but it wasn't until later I explained who Agent Franks yeah, was. Okay. However, there are other things I've done where I just dropped a, a, a passing line. It's like, oh, that's so and so. And I don't ever specify. But then years later, people are like, oh, who is so and so? was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> and then I'll get to it. I was like, I know, but I'm not telling you. Which yeah, means I don't know. Really, I didn't know. I don't know. I just <laughs> stuff happened and I just dropped it. And this is also a skill that you will pick up more with practice, mm-hmm. where it's just instinctual. You'd be like, oh, readers are gonna think it's cool. It's like, who was that dude? Okay, cool. And I'll put his name and I'll write it down and I'll keep it in the world guide and it'll be like, uh, mentioned by so and so question mark. And then the next book was like, oh, that's who that is. Yeah. Because then there's now when I'm doing that same process, I have an opportunity. Um, and so you just kind of like you build the stuff, you layer. So 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 people a lot of times people think that, wow, Larry, you're so you're so smart. You you plan this out seven books in advance. Yes and no. Sometimes yes, I did. I thought, wow, this would be really cool to have this guy be this, mm-hmm. and I had that years ago, right? And I just keep building on to that, and then finally comes a chance for a reveal. Stricken. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I've known who Stricken is since I introduced him. I've known who Stricken is since the very beginning. Um, and so it wasn't like what six books later, five five books later, I'm like, this is who he is. Yeah. And everybody's like, mind friggin' blown. So that one was almost planned. I feel special. I called that one. You did, actually. That was actually really good. Yeah. Plus, you were one of the only people that got the bloodlines was actually not the bloodline you thought of. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool.
2: Uh, and part of that's because I've written with you. Steve knows. You know, like I get it. I'm like, yeah.
1: oh, okay. I know where your mind is going. So sometimes you lay clues for stuff you plan. And other times, opportunities just present themselves. Jump on it. Yeah. Could go either way. And either way, the readers think, wow, you're really smart. No, <laughs> you just grind enough hours on a word processor. Eventually you're going to like get lucky. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now I, I I think we're going to call it for this episode. We'll, we'll do another one. Um, And, and look, as you listeners have, have seen when we get other guests on um, a lot of times we, 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 ask them the specific questions. Oh, are you an outliner or a discoverer? How do you outline? Whatever. Because everybody does it a little differently. I mean, shoot, the, the, the outlines that that Mike Rothman and I put together are done in a very different way than than what how you and I do them. They're very um what's the word I'm looking for?
1: Um like tableized well, he does very sciency things, so I would imagine his world building is going to be tabulated and quantifiable. Yeah, yeah it's it's
2: it's you know it, it's Excel columns and and, and yeah. rows and and it's you know
1: involved. Yeah. There's no there's no, no right way to do it. Mm. So anyway, you know,
2: we'll do another episode where we talk about some of those things, or it might just be, you know that'll that'll come organically as we as we talk with other authors i mean i don't want to outline the process
1: robert rodriguez <laughs> the director i remember reading a book about that that he wrote about being a director when he started out and he used three by five cards oh yeah yeah it was it's just like calm. he just had a stack of three by five cards of i think that the mariachi should do this yeah <laughs> and he just moved them around until he had a plot <laughs> okay. whatever works right <laughs> yeah all right well anyway
2: so Again, this episode kind of was born out of genesis of, of some questions that were asked from us. And, and, and as we've always talked about, um, you know, if you're a supporter of the Writer Dojo, which you can easily become through 99 cents to 10 bucks a month, whatever you want to do, um, we we answer your questions first. And often um, those questions just turn into full-blown episodes because we can't help ourselves. It's true. <laughs> it is
1: true. They're more, often, more often than not,
2: yeah. So, uh, so. For all of those, for all of you out there who were who've been wanting to know how how we outline, more specifically how Larry outlines, because you know I don't do that crap. Um, this is how this this is how Larry's brain works when it goes for it. And I hope it's insightful, and I hope that that for some of you out there, it gives you a good idea of how to start, um, in 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 the direction you can run with, and for how you outline your stories. So uh, yeah, hopefully that helps. Um, we'll touch on this topic again. But, uh, yeah, this is the Writer Dojo. We'll see you on the next one. The
0: writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, "Word Mercenaries, by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash Dojo by leaving a five-star rating and review and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com.
2: And they went down to the river and did a baptism stuff. You're <laughs> like, What?